on this week's episode hbo max enters the house of dragons we get a warm welcome from raccoon city and it's a return to some classic grand theft auto all this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos welcome to the pop culture cosmos and we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos this is gerald glasser from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate you watching and listening and just taking care of all of our shows. But if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, Humanican Media, and whatever they're doing, including Topicocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast, plus we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, and we're also on YouTube and Twitch there. In fact, we got a great game going on right now, so please check that out after you watch this show. We've got a lot of great things going on here, right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, and if any way you can, you can support us. It is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our own definitive edition of pop culture cosmos you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com plus all the things that he's doing for humanica media including like i said the super bs games cast and topic Ocalypse, plus his amazing book congratulations you suck which is right now available as a great holiday gift at amazon and barnes and noble it is my good friend it is josh peterson what's up man What's up? All right, so let me walk down memory lane with you once more, as is tradition. Okay, for this yes, cue show. the music. Taking a walk. All right, so we, we went to the King of Burgers for lunch today, right? The Burger King, the BK Lounge, as Dane Cook famously That guy's coined, creepy. I'm sorry. I'm telling you, that guy's creepy. On yeah, he's very creepy. Is he? I don't. I don't even know what he's been up to since that album this, came out. Yeah, you know, that grin on his face—it's just like permanent, and it's there, and just scares me. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen anything that had him in it outside of Employee of the Month, but I digress. So we went to Burger King, and dude, they just—it's been—they've fallen so far from their heyday. Back in the late '90s and early 2000s, remember you can go. And the toys were just like top notch at Burger King. Like they're very high quality. And in addition to the toys, they had like very, you could buy other toys. Like you could buy action figures or you could buy the big like Toy Story collector puppets or you could buy, remember when Pokemon, the first movie came out, you could buy the metallic Pokeball that opened up and inside was just like. Same thing with McDonald's. Pikachu. Yeah, McDonald's had the batman forever mugs uh you could buy the the flintstone stuff like there was co- genuine collector items being sold at these places but now you go to burger king and burger king is just a, a shallow shell of what it used to be like nobody cares about the toys mcdonald's is the same thing outside the pokemon cards they had but i tell you man like what happened like when did pe- people still buy happy meals and kids meals the 
do you think we're ever going to return to a time when like pop culture and fast food played on the same field? As things get more expensive, the other things in life that go along with it become much cheaper as far as how they're made, how they're constructed, and they become less valuable because they're mass produced. So things of the past, like those collectibles you talk about, are now really collectible. I'm sure there's some kids' meals toys from McDonald's years past and Burger King years past that were done in correlation, let's say, like the mini Hot Wheels that were available oh, yeah, and Barbie right, stuff. Right. And, all, and the thing tie into whatever movie or TV thing that was going on at that period of time in the 80s and 90s and even way back when, even earlier than that. Some of those are really valuable these days. Now you get to the point where you look at the kids' meals and, and all the toys and prizes that come with it and, and just, yeah, come on, give me a break. It's just, and I mean, and Chick-fil-A, you know, bless their heart, they're not even trying. They're just like, we're going to give you a coloring book and that will be enough for us. And kids still, and even the coloring books are more like high quality <laughs> than the plastic toys you get from McDonald's. You know what's next, my friend? What? The next thing is going to be in the future for these kids' meals is going to be just a QR code and you're going to have to scan it and then it just pops up online and then they give you like a paint tool and they say go at it. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be where we're heading. It's going to be a QR code that's going to give you a link to a game and inside this game you'll be able to find a QR code and inside that QR code is just going to be like a page you can color. Or a five-buck coupon off at your local retailer. So there you go. Exactly. The... The great days of pop culture and fast food have sadly come to an end. Well, look and... on the bright side, my friend, though. In just a few short weeks, once again, we'll be blessed in our lives with the McRib, as the McRib will debut once again this November. So, you know what I do? And the McRib, and also McDonald's is now serving fries in a boat this is the moment we've all been waiting for you know like why we don't need to go to wendy's anymore we just go get a boat full of fries at mcdonald's because their fries are actually really good for you know, 10 minutes remember there is a lifespan on those fries well you just got to eat them quick you know same thing with the nuggets like you don't eat the nuggets within five minutes of getting them you, you throw them at somebody it's later great. on half hour later and it hits them in the eye it'll like take an eye socket out yeah you give them a that's a concussion material right there well, my friend, it is going to be an outstanding episode. Fast food, reflections aside, we're going to have a tremendous episode. We're going to give you a box office report here in a sec where we talk about No Time to Die, what is Venom still doing, and so much more. Plus, we're going to talk about HBO and HBO Max just dropped a new trailer for the, well, I guess you could say it's a prequel a prequel to its most successful series ever. This is coming, a prequel called The House of the Dragon. So we're going to talk about The House of the Dragon, how it ties into the larger mythos of everything that went on with the Game of Thrones. So we're going to talk about House of the Dragons, just talk about their interest level for it coming up here in a bit. Plus, we're going to be talking about Rockstar dropping the news that early next year they're going to be dropping GTA The Trilogy. That's right. Three of the most favored games in the series are coming back together, intergrouping, remastered, all that good stuff. And it's coming in the first half of 2022 for mobile. It's actually going to come out for consoles later this year, according to Rockstar. 
So we'll see about that one. There was no definitive date. So we're going to go ahead and get those games coming back. But three of the biggest titles ever from Rockstar can help bring out that dominance with GTA. We're going to talk about if it's still a good deal to go ahead and get these games in this bundle and ask if the trilogy is something that you should go ahead and look out for coming up in the program as well. Plus, also, we've got Welcome to Raccoon City just dropped a trailer that's coming up for November 24th. It's going to come on Netflix. I'm going to ask Josh if, if he's excited to get back into those Resident Evil movies once again. Arcade 1UP announced some holiday arcade editions. I'm going to ask Josh if he's interested in any of these editions, including one that has been long desired by fans from all over that they're finally doing. And I'm going to ask Josh, with this update, is there any still outstanding arcade one-ups he's looking forward to getting sometime in the future? That's coming up on the back end of the show as well. And Jeff Sloboda from the MCU's Bleeding Edge will have a final epitaph on Marvel's What If? Did he enjoy the series overall? And how is Disney Plus and Marvel doing with their television series so far in this first year of television for them? We're going to talk about that on the episode as well. But first, my friend, it is the box office report. And No Time to Die came out this weekend to U.S. theaters. It is scoring well overseas. In fact, it's already over $300 million worldwide at the box office. It hasn't debuted in China. That's later this month. That's going to be a huge market for them, I think. I think it's going to do well. But No Time to Die slightly ever so slightly underperformed expectations did around 56 million dollars i want to hear your thoughts on this my friend it got decent reviews it's got pretty good reviews overall metacritic scores right around 70 so it's it's pretty good reviews for that for a movie like that so i think that is something that uh, still people probably want to go check out because it is daniel craig's last performance something that's been I guess collecting dust on a shelf for you know an extended period of time because of what happened with COVID and it got delayed so many times. But I think the audience for No Time to Die and 007 and James Bond skews a little bit older than something, say, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I think that's probably the main reason why it didn't perform as well here in the States. Still, $300 million? I mean, you know, whatever the pandemic box office record was, doesn't that completely annihilate it? No. No, it doesn't. Uh, Actually, there's several Chinese movies that have performed exceedingly above that. That have been released in multiple territories, though? No. In multiple territories, there's still movies that are above $300 million. And in fact, right now, although that is doing very well, Godzilla vs. Kong is the movie that is done well and then f9 the fast saga they even though it didn't uh, it's not the number one movie here in the states it is it has done over 700 million dollars worldwide okay all right all right and godzilla versus kong is just under 500 million so but those two are not even the biggest movies of the year hi mom that was just a china exclusive that garnered over 800 million and then detective chinatown three went almost 700 million and then the battle at lake shangjing which i talked about last week that one earned 200 million dollars in its first weekend and now it's over four Dang, yeah I mean, well the chinese like audience cool. have come back i think pretty much full-time it's now the number one marketplace yeah. in the world so yeah i was actually like you know they seem to have like gone back to life as 
usual because yeah. I was I've been seeing like some some pictures of people like lining up outside like stores and stuff for collectibles and things and like yeah. they're back at it, you know. As for James Bond here, like yeah, I guess, I guess it, it's few of the people that I work with that I wouldn't assume to be like big moviegoers like went out to see this movie on opening night. And you know, they're they're like the I guess you could call them over 40 crowd and they had nothing but great things to say about it. me. We're going to go watch it next weekend. So I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, I mean, it's just weird. I was noted like we drove by the movie theaters yesterday and I just noticed there's a packed parking lot. And that's the first time I've seen it like that in two years, you know, and it, it, maybe it's because we have Adam's family too, venom, uh, no time to die. There's just, there's a lot of good things out to watch right now. Yeah. Adam's and, family too held strong. It earned another 10 million this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it doesn't surprise me that this movie did well, and I, I, you know, like you said, it's received plenty of critical acclaim, and I think that just because it's Daniel Craig, like a lot of the critics will argue that Daniel Craig is like one of the best in the top three Bonds, you know, so I think that he's gotten a lot of acclaim from people, and it'll just be interesting to see like what happens next with the franchise and how people will receive it. Like, will we see these high box office numbers, or do you think after this people will be kind of burnt out on you know, James Bond and where he's going next. No, I think there'll still be some interest in James Bond. We speculated that on the previous episode, the PCC multiverse, who could be the next James Bond. It might have to be an established star, but I think a lot of money rides in getting another relatively unknown individual like Daniel Craig was 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then 15 years ago, I should say. Yeah, and he's done a great job at, like, fielding those social questions, right? Like, do you think James Bond should be a woman? Do you think James Bond should be gay? Do you think all this? And, like, he's done a great job at, like, saying, you know, let's make, why does it have to be James Bond? Like, let's make a character that's better than James Bond. You know, if you want a, a strong female character like they did with 007, you know, in the movie, like, branch off to a 007 movie. She doesn't necessarily have to be James Bond, but she seems like a very powerful character, so give her her own movies, you know? Like, spin things off there's a lot of things that james bond is the the films have tackled in the past few years regarding social issues and i see a lot of potential for spin-off films that could be equally as powerful as james bond himself what this also represents is the fact that everything as far as a final decision still has to go through the broccolis the yeah, estate yeah. for albert broccoli because they still own half and they own the controlling half amazon owns one half they own the other and they have the final say on exactly what happens with the bond franchise so before yeah. anyone goes to any lengths on speculation on tom hiddleston tom hardy idris elba you know anyone out there henry golding any name that's been thrown out there or relative unknown that's been named that's been out thrown out there it has to go by the broccolis they were the one that said yes to daniel craig and look what's happened from there the foresight of the studio mgm and them working in conjunction 15 years ago was right and he developed after a little bit of a slow start developed into such a wonderful james bond character and you know he leaves the series on such high marks i know specter and no time to die specter was kind of a little bit of a letdown but no time to die looks like it's even though it's not the level of skyfall it's still a strong way to go out yeah, no, I, I agree. And like, I really, I don't know if you've ever read about like, it's Barbara Broccoli, right? Is the, the, the lady, the yes. daughter, just the lengths that she's got, like her love of this franchise and just the lengths that she goes to, to make sure that like everything's done well. And 
the uh, you know the actors are treated well on set like she really really like put, has put a lot of passion and emotion into this franchise and you know like i think that it's been all the better for it well we still want to know what is going to take place in the future for the james bond series it is something that again on this par does well in the u.s but really has a strong hold in the international markets to me it's similar like f9 the fast and furious series where yes the the u.s is now just icing on the cake where its stronghold is in the european south american and also the asian markets and i still think that james bond's future is always there first but anything it gets domestically here in the U.S. is just really appreciated. And I know they've they put, poured a ton of money. We talked about this like last week with Venom. They have poured a ton of money into advertising this movie. I knew when this movie came out. I knew when this movie was going to be released. I knew that it was coming out. And you saw that. I mean, you could not avoid the ads. To me, yeah. the $100 million plus advertising campaign you just knew it was going to be out. You knew when it was going to be available. And I just think that, yes, even though it didn't do as well as hopes, it could, it wasn't because of lack of trying. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. And it, you know, it's funny. You mentioned like fat, the fast franchise, like that started out here as a, just like a normal action movie. And now the franchise has evolved into like a worldwide beloved franchise. Exactly, which is even more beloved worldwide than here. So, according to the numbers, anyways. But we want to hear your thoughts on No Time to Die. Did you check it out this weekend? It performed slightly under expectations, earning $56 million here in the U.S. I think, again, because it skews older, I think that's probably the reason why people are hesitant at an older age to come out to the theaters as much as they once did. But we'll see what happens with No Time to Die. It's earned over $300 million worldwide. But we want to hear your thoughts on No Time to Die. Did you like the movie? Did you enjoy it? Did you go see it? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Big on America. Hey guys, this is Jason Dutch with Digging America Podcast, and I'm here with Big Hops. And I'm also here with Mikey Famine. Digging America here, we explore how American history, policies, and sometimes even our pop culture created the social and political issues facing Americans today. You can check out our website, digonamerica.com. We're on every single audio podcast app there is out there, Pandora, Spotify, etc. Subscribe on YouTube. You can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash DOA podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to the show, guys. Big on America. Well, there's still much more to talk about on today's program, my friend. Once again, it's the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford along with my good friend, and fellow host, Josh Peterson. Please make sure you catch our shows on Friday and the weekend with the PCC Multiverse with myself and Melinda Barkhouse in the big chair as we talk the the latest news and trends of pop culture there. But for right now, my friend, HBO and HBO Max, they dropped a trailer of their own for the highly anticipated prequel to The Game of Thrones, which was such a massive success. And for us, a massive letdown in that final episode. But we won't go there. Or we can if you want, my friend. But 
Yeah, um, you know, it's funny you say that. You know, my wife keeps saying that she wants to go back and watch that show, and I'm just like, I don't know if I can do that again. Like, it was so great, and then it just did not do what I wanted it to. That final season, I think, was overall a letdown. Yeah, the final season was good up until that those, like, last two episodes, though. Like, it had such promise, and it just it made all the drama and the backstabbing feel worth it until you got to those last two episodes. But yes, yeah, please go ahead, check out season six, season five, some of the earlier seasons, because that's really when it's at its best, in my opinion. But House yeah. of Dragons, which is a prequel to the Game of Thrones, debuted its trailer this past week. And my friend, I wanted to ask you this, because it has such high expectations because of what it comes off of and what it's a prequel to, people are looking forward to this. I want to say this, that I would temper my enthusiasm for this. The reason why is because of what we've seen in the past couple weeks with another highly anticipated prequel and a very popular series in its own right, The Sopranos. The prequel that came out this past, what, couple weeks ago, The Many Saints of Newark, that has done terribly at the box office. I don't know the numbers for HBO Max, so it's, I'm sure it's done okay there at least, but yeah. the demand was probably not what HBO and HBO Max had expected. Let's put it that way. I mean, I think they were expecting a much larger demand for The Many Saints of Newark than what they're getting. With The House of Dragons, that's going to come early next year, I think, from what I'm seeing. I want to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, is... The House of the Dragon is going to be something that you're going to check out? Is it going to be something that's going to be interesting to you? I mean, is it something that's going to be a hit with audiences once again? Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of trying to figure out the timeline of this. I, like, I know it... 200 years before the events right? of Game of Thrones. Right, so that's that's what I was going to say. Like, it doesn't... it That doesn't sound like it's going to end in Robert's Rebellion, you know, where they take out the Mad King... Yeah. So what what is the story here that's going to be carrying this this uh, this prequel, which I'm assuming is going to be, you know, they're going to try to push it to at least five seasons. So what is it that's going to be carrying it? Like what what are the stakes for these people? Because we know they got wiped out, and but in Game of Thrones, like the the world ending threat is what they face. So was there another world ending threat before that? Like, I, I don't know what the overarching theme is going to be here and what's going to, you know, in game of Thrones is the is what's her name. Danny trying to reclaim the throne or it was the, the dragons or, you know, or the, uh, the others that were waiting outside beyond the wall. Like what is the thread that's going to hold this show together? It's going to keep people watching from one season to the next. It is going to be interesting. And, you know, what's I think everybody has noticed first off when they watch the trailer is the shift in the power of what's going on with the House Targaryen and, you know, the, everybody who's in charge there and the families and, and who, like you said, there's a, there's a dynamic shift that has to take place at some point in time between the events of the House of the Dragon, however long this series runs, and the start of Game of Thrones. So I'm interested to see it from that end. I, I think, though, that Game of Thrones had an opportunity. I've said it on the show before. They had an opportunity to do some spinoffs that would expand that series even more. 
And I think they had the opportunity to go ahead and provide some spinoffs there that it, with some characters from that show that they could directly relate to, which I think would probably be a little bit more popular. This one is going to have to rely a lot on the storytelling to retain a lot of that viewership because it's going to be something where it's going to have some high numbers initially because everybody wants to check it out. They watch the Game of Thrones. And then yeah. if it does not have that compelling storytelling, there could be some problems there about the viewership waning off after a short period of time. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, what what's the drop off going to look like after season one? You know, is it are you going to tell a tale that people are going to want to come back to? Because that was the one thing that made Game of Thrones work so well is that it was intriguing, right? And you had these like big events that ended the seasons, whether it's like the Red Wedding or you know, a, a, the queen being disposed, like what is it that's going to keep people coming back to it? Because Game of Thrones already did the shock factor. You know, they already like shows you things that you would have never guessed would have ever happened, especially on a TV show. So what what does House of Dragons have to offer, I guess? Well, it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm very curious to see exactly how this series will develop and if it's going to retain that type of Game of Thrones magic, which, for the most part, despite the diversiveness as far as people's thoughts on it, some people actually you know, enjoyed that last season entirely, including the last couple episodes. A lot yeah. of people, though, were let down like you and I on those last two episodes. And let me ask you this. Because of that, do you think there's still some bad taste in people's mouths that will not have them go ahead and check this out? I think because sometimes... The last impression you have of it, you know, it just weighs heavily on it. And, you know, even though you try to revive this series and how popular it once was, there could be some issues with people not coming back. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there will be. And I I also believe there to be some there's going to be some exhaustion that people didn't realize they had, you know, especially with George R. R. Martin, like taking forever to actually write the books. You know, a lot of people are just kind of over it and. Well, the trailer for House of Dragons does look very interesting. You know, it's something I definitely will at least watch a couple episodes of it. I don't, I don't, it's not something that I'm like, oh, yes, I'm just dying to watch that. You know, like Game of Thrones is like, oh, yes, I can't wait. That looks so cool. But this is like, eh, all right, maybe I'll stop by and check it out. And that's something I think was faulting on Warner Brothers, HBO, and all that was that fact that they, if it was left on a high, you should have started production on this right away. Just like jump on it, jump on it, get it going. Maybe the yeah. next year, bring it yeah. out. Something like that. I know that. they tried to. Like originally, there was like six spinoffs planned, and then they were like, "Oh, now we're only doing two. Now we're only doing one." But the problem is, you got to jump on it while it's still hot, while it's still fresh in people's yeah. minds. The case right now with The Sopranos is right now a case study, and you cannot, in every single case let so many years pass by from your height of popularity, which again, of a series that ended on, eh, some people didn't like the note that it ended on, but most part, most people liked the series as a whole and followed it all the way through. And then, but so many years have passed by, people are not coming back to see the many scenes in new work. And, it, you know, there's now what, two, three years in between as a buffer between Game of Thrones. Yeah. And by the time this finally comes out, this that's a lot of time man that's a lot of time is. and we've seen this before though even outside of the sopranos we saw it with westwood right like people were really stoked about westwood and then the that movie came out and nobody seemed to really 
care or want to watch it. So I think they there's a shelf life for these. Like if you're going to continue, unless it's like a totally beloved cult classic like Firefly, like I don't, I think that these shows, there comes a point when you're going to have to say like, oh, maybe the fandom just isn't there anymore. And we saw the same thing with Blade Runner. Remember, like it, it was a cult classic of its time. And then, you know, 20, 30 years later, the people who saw the original care about it. But then you have all these new people coming up into the world of pop culture and nobody really seems to they, they're not going to give it the time of day. They didn't give it time of day at box office, but you know it's performed well in home video. Right? That's yeah. what I think that's people, what people were waiting for. OK, I'll wait for it till it comes out on Blu-ray and DVD. And I remember I tracked it and it, it actually trended very well almost selling as well as the Marvel DVDs and Blu-rays of that time when it came out, because I think it's a visual feast. And I think a lot of people who were getting 4k televisions around that time wanted to go ahead. Oh, this is just the perfect movie to go ahead and pop in my 4k and, and just go ahead and check it out. So I think that was the deal then, but you're right. It didn't perform well in theaters to the point where it was going to sustain itself forward. I'm still hoping Denis and I'd love to get a chance to talk to Denis. Come on, Denis Villeneuve, go ahead on the Dune press tour and stop by the Pop Culture I'm Cosmos. By, yeah. Because I'll tell you what, we'd love to ask you thoughts on Dune and, of course, Blade Runner 2049 to see if that ever continues. But need I digress on that one more time? I know our fans out there and listeners always you know, say, hey, probably saying, hey, you're talking about that movie gonna, again? Yeah, we're just going to change the podcast name to the Blade Runner Cosmos. Yeah, um, something like that. But. TM, TM, TM. Exactly. So we want to hear your thoughts. Are you excited for The House of the Dragon? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we got Jess Sloboda from the MCU's Bleeding Edge. He's going to talk about Marvel's What If, how much did he enjoy it, and he'll also share some thoughts on if this whole TV thing going on with Disney Plus and Marvel has worked to his expectations so he'll go ahead and share his thoughts on that coming up after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are, then you gotta check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love action figure adventure. All right, welcome back for the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is Marvel's What If. It has ended its first season, which went back at some point in time. We're not sure if it's a definitive 2022 or 2023 date. All depends because those episodes take time. And with coronavirus, actually canceling out one of the 10 episodes actually reduced to nine because of what happened with coronavirus had some highs had some lows but still overall i think the general consensus is that it is a welcome part of the marvel cinematic multiverse but here today to talk about his final thoughts on the what if series season one and also has he enjoyed his time on disney plus watching the television so far that marvel and disney has presented you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. It is Jeff Sloboda. And Jeff, great to have you on the show. 
Well, thank you very much, Gerald. I really appreciate it. And it's always nice to have an opportunity to be back here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm really happy to be here and happy to be talking Marvel. What If is now in the rearview mirror for most people because they got a chance to check it out this past week on Disney+. Plus. Again, it was not the full season that Marvel and Disney were expecting, but because of situations, the Gamora episode had to be discontinued. We only saw bits and clips and pieces of it intertwined with this final episode, episode nine. We are told that Gamora will have her story told in more detail for season two whenever that comes out. So thankful for that. But overall, your thoughts on the nine episode run of Marvel's What If? Well, I guess, you know, if you want to break it down uh, into maybe into two parts, I guess my my take would be that as far as like from an episode to an episode standpoint, I felt like the show was enjoyable. I felt like there were some ups and downs with the energy, kind of the excitement level of some of the episodes kind of maybe peaking a little bit and then diminishing maybe mid-season. And they bounced back, I thought, the three-episode arc that they that they wrapped up with with Ultron. And then connecting all of it, you know, and then connecting it to the Doctor Strange episode, connecting it to the zombies episode in episode five, week five, was a really cool, typical Marvel kind of deal where they're putting in that connective tissue. We're so used to hearing from them and seeing from them in the in the Infinity Saga. I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed watching it. I especially enjoyed episode nine. I thought it was great. And I, I enjoyed episode eight quite a bit. Week five, the zombies episode is still my favorite. As a second part to that, I just want to point out that I think it's great to see them, again, doing something different, taking chances again, just like with Loki, Kevin Feige, Marvel Studios, showing that they're not willing to go outside of the box a little bit and still draw and and, and be inspired by the comic books. You're, you mean they are willing to go outside the box? Yes, yes, that they'll take chances, you know, because I feel like there's almost like this perception to, for some people in the in the film industry that maybe... What Marvel does is kind of like subpar or, or for kids or for something. Or Well, Denis Villeneuve uh, recently, as doing, he's doing the press tour for Dune, the upcoming yeah. movie that's going to be upcoming, which is now available around the world, but coming to U.S. on the 22nd. He recently called it cut and paste. I know you've heard Martin Scorsese's comments in regarding it being just like a roller coaster theme ride. I know it gets that kind of rap. You have to look a little closer. I think look at the stories, look at the relationships. There are certain points in time in the MCU where it really gets very good. I think The Witcher Soldier, I think, is epic storytelling and could have stand out upon its own as a as a spy thriller type deal. But you're right. It does get a little bit formulaic. And in fact, with the last episode, they I think they kind of played it safe. It was okay. It was they followed the formula, the Marvel formula there to a T. I think that the Party Thor episode, to me, like you said, they, they took chances outside the box. The Party Thor was an outside-the-box type thing, and I really thought it clicked with me because I enjoyed it. Vegas! Maybe it's just because I'm here in Vegas. But, uh, you know, the zombie deal was something that could have been hit or miss. And I thought that was enjoyable. I mean, they did go outside the box. And with Marvel's What If, I think that was really the case that they could go ahead and do just that. Well, they they definitely did do a great job of of giving the fans a taste of the multiverse and kind of explaining it. And so I think if that was that was a key for them, they managed to accomplish that. And yes, like you reiterated, they did take chances. I feel like the entire what if series was a chance that they were taking. And I think that if this is any kind of indication as to what we can expect in the future in terms of the animated aspect of Marvel 
and what they're going to do in that direction. I think it's a great start. Overall, I really enjoyed it. I think they really, you know, again, they they took a swing and they tried something different, a different kind of thing. And I think overall, I don't know for sure, but I think most of the fans did like it. I think they enjoyed it. I think they liked the concept. I think they understood what was going on. Again, there's a really big nostalgia aspect to like these episodes that we've gotten where, you know, we're, we're re-seeing a lot of characters that we're all very familiar with as Marvel fans and getting a chance to kind of catch up with them again. And I think that that's always great for the fans. I think whether you're a, a newer fan or an older fan or a younger person, it doesn't really make a difference. You still love those original six Avengers. You love seeing them. So, you know, that was a really, really cool experience for me and for, I think, a lot of fans. I definitely maybe enjoyed the Loki series more than I did the What If series, but I'm not going to nitpick at What If because I think, you know, it was a very simple concept that they were working with, you know, and again, it's animation. So I think your expectations need to be a little bit different and a little bit grounded. Because you didn't have all the actors there doing, the, yeah. reprising their roles, and some of them didn't perform to the task as far as vocal work is concerned. Some of them really took to it. Some of them really did well. The late Chadwick Boseman, it's his final performances in this What If series. And I think he went out on a high note. I think he enjoyed what he was doing here and it came through very well. Haley Atwell, I thought did a, a good job, especially in the latter episodes that she was a part of. First episode, I thought the story and structure were okay. It wasn't that, that, that compelling to me, but it really got better with her character as it ended with the show. And I really look forward to see what she's doing. And again, it depended on the actor or the voice actor. Hopefully they'll rectify that end of it to be a little bit more consistent on that end. But this leads me into my final question with you in regards to the series overall, because again, this is the first year of Marvel television on Disney Plus that's been actually part of the MCU 100%. We all know what they did on Netflix and the shows there, but that was kind of its own separate thing. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, of course, Agent Carter. It's still tied in, but it's still kind of its own separate thing. These are the first real shows that Kevin Feige is overseeing, that Kevin Feige is responsible for, that totally ties in every single thing into the MCU. What are your thoughts on this year of television for Marvel and Disney Plus? I think that there were definitely people who were a little bit suspicious of WandaVision when it first came out and were like, what is this? You know, like, this is Marvel. Like, this is not what I normally get from Marvel. And there were people that I know, you know, to this day who still didn't like it and will tell you I didn't like WandaVision. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. And I thought that with that being the the, the lead off to the, the Disney Plus series produced by Marvel Studios on Disney Plus, I feel like that for me, I felt like, again, that was them taking a big chance with a new type of show, uh, with, with doing TV on their own for the first time on Disney Plus. Again, ha you know, having done Marvel television with Netflix and so had some success with Daredevil and, and some of those series, you know, and some, and some misses with maybe Iron Fist. I feel like overall, what they've given us on Disney Plus has been excellent. I think that you've seen the numbers as far as the views, as far as the amount of people watching ha have set records. I feel like with WandaVision, we got into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and so was Loki. So is What If. So, so far, in what they've given us in these four series, they've really gone in different directions in each series, which I think is interesting. From sci-fi to, like, a more street-level, like, Earth-based kind of story with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Then you go What If and you go multiverse, you know, and you go cosmic. I think that plays well regarding the future of, of what, we, what we can expect from Marvel. 
and the direction that they want to go in, which is in a lot of different places. And I think as a fan, that's exciting. And I think that if what we've gotten so far in the four series is any indication of what we're going to get for the next four, the next eight, I think that things are, are going really well and off to a very strong start. And I can't see how anybody as a fan could be disappointed. Once again, I'm talking to Jeff Sabota. You got to catch his show. The MCU's Bleeding Edge, everywhere you get your podcasts, and of course on YouTube. Please subscribe today. So before we head on out, it's time for that hard sell, my friend. Time for the hard pitch. You got to go ahead and tell everybody why they need to check out the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Well, you know, I mean, basically, if you enjoy listening to people talk about Marvel and about a little DCU here and there, you know, and get into the superhero genre, if you're a part of the fandom, or if you're even maybe new to this whole thing and you're just getting into Marvel, I think that you'll probably enjoy what we do over at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. I mean, it's a fun discussion always. As Gerald already pointed out, you can find us anywhere. We're on any podcast directory. We're on YouTube. We're the MCU's Bleeding Edge. We're live every Wednesday evening at 9.05 p.m. Eastern, 6.05 p.m. Pacific. And if you watch us, chances are you'll want to stick around for more than five or 10 minutes and actually catch a pretty decent chunk of our show because we tend to relate to a lot of people on the human level. We've got a nice cast of people of different age groups on the show in terms of our guests and stuff like that that come on. It's not just people my age. It's younger people. You know, one of my co-hosts is 25. I'm almost 40. Cybernetic Shark, my other co-host is, you know, I'm not even sure how old he is, but I know he's older than me. So we've got a different kind of balance with our group. We've got some female MCU fans that come on regularly and guests, which it's hard to find sometimes, Gerald. I think you already know that probably. So that's always great that we have that balance going on on the show. I know I'd be very appreciative to anybody who would want to catch us and check out one of our shows, check out the YouTube channel, because I feel like overall you'll enjoy and respect what we do. And we're not trying to be superstars or whatever. You know, we just enjoy talking about Marvel and we're fans. So that's the approach we take to the content. And we're always happy to have an opportunity to, to record and work with somebody like you, Gerald, that's so hospitable. Thank you again for the opportunity. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. And please check out today, the MCU's Bleeding Edge on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Jeff, it's been so great having you on. I look forward to bringing you back on again when maybe Hawkeye comes around or whatever Marvel has in mind or in store for us. So please, you're always welcome back. The red carpet's open for you. Just right there for you. It's rolled out right there. It's all nice and cushy. Walk right in. Anytime you want to talk Marvel, anything pop culture, right back here at the pop culture cosmos if you're in the las vegas and henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than retro city games from xbox to playstation nintendo to atari the great crew at retro city games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options stop by their two awesome locations in henderson and also the las vegas strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford back with you along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson. Something that was one of the world's worst kept secrets in the gaming industry Rockstar did announce that Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, 
The Definitive Edition will be coming out later this year to consoles and next year to mobile devices. And it will feature three of its most storied, beloved, and most popular of the series. Although we can't say that too much because GTA 4 and especially GTA 5, we know how well that one's done. Because that's sold over 100 million copies in and of itself. But GTA 3, GTA 5 City, and GTA San Andreas will be bundled up, will be remastered, and will be presented to you later this year on the consoles. So I want to hear your thoughts on the good news and on the good side. Is that this will be, if you're really looking to get back into it, or if you're looking to get into it for the first time, this could be hundreds of hours of gameplay for you. And I do not undersell that and underestimate that hundreds of hours of gameplay for you people played this back in the day these games and they were playing these games for years the bad news is is that these games are going to be bundled at a price a full price for the regular consoles xbox one and playstation 4 and they're going to be bundled at $70 for the newest consoles, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. This is Rockstar, again, at its finest, reaching into its bag of tricks and pulling out some way to go ahead and earn a lot of cash without having to bring out GTA 6 anytime soon. Yeah, it's interesting, I, I suppose, because... You and I obviously are big Mass Effect fans, but when that came out, the Ultimate Edition, I don't know what the sales did, but people stopped talking about it within like two weeks of it releasing. Uh, actually, they were a little bit longer. It sold well for EA. EA has not provided numbers, but they said it sold well. But yeah, okay. But I mean, like within like my group of friends who all love games and like stuff like that, they stopped talking about Mass Effect pretty quick. So, I mean, I still am playing it, so I still enjoy As it. As am I. What I'm wondering here is how many of the people who are on Grand Theft Auto, whatever the latest one, five right now, and they've invested all that time and money into their game, how many of them are going to be like, oh, hey, maybe I'm going to stop playing this for a while and go back to these other games? How, I, I, mean, I would say either younger audiences maybe wanting to experience it for the first time and they because they heard about their dad and, and the hot coffee thing. So maybe they're going to try and explore that. It's But to me, it's going to be like... Although I'm watching, assuming that's probably going to be edited out. But it, it's also like somebody going to the theaters to watch Jurassic Park, the first one, versus watching the latest Jurassic Park. Like It's going to be an experience for a little bit. And then I think that to them, though, nothing's going to beat the freshness of the newer ones the fact that you could do so many things on your own which still is part of the charm of gta 5 even to this day and the part of the reason why it's held on so well since 2014 is the fact that you can do so many things that just break the confines of the game itself it it to me is this is what those games were all about but will they be presented in such a fashion that is going to adapt for a new audience We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, It is GTA, the trilogy, and it's something that I think maybe some people will be looking forward to. I think it's going to get at least a nice reception from people who want to relive those three awesome games from the past. And that is GTA 3, GTA Vice City, and GTA San Andreas. Are you excited for a remastered version of the GTA trilogy coming out later this year to consoles and next year to mobile devices? 
Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we head on out, I know as a Resident Evil fan, you checked out the latest trailer that Netflix has for Welcome to Raccoon City. It's revival of the Resident Evil movie franchise with a rebooted movie franchise here that's coming up November 24th, features an all-new cast. Let me know your thoughts on this because I'm kind of like on the fence on this. I was never a big fan anyways of the Resident Evil movie franchises, but it did earn Sony over a billion dollars during its lifetime of the theaters. So I want to hear your thoughts. Are you ready to be welcomed back into Raccoon City? Just out of curiosity, is this a movie or is this going to be on Netflix? This is a live action movie. It'll be showcased in some theaters, but it will be showcased day and date on Netflix. Okay. All right. So it'll it'll have the Redfields in it, Claire and Chris. It'll have Jill Valentine, that character, but none of the actors yeah. really outside of Neil McDonough, who plays William Birkin, will actually be of any interest or someone that you know. These are all relatively unknown actors. And that's fine. I mean, I, I guess like at first glance watching this trailer, it was cool. So when I was a kid, Resident Evil 2 came out, right? Resident Evil 2 was it was all the kids were playing it like it's kind of like what mortal Kombat did like it was that forbidden fruit that your parents didn't want you to play but you could go over to other kids house and play it and i just remember sitting in like dark rooms with my friends like watching this game and playing this game and just like that sense of like that the creeps that you got from sitting there hearing the zombies and like the the crt speakers you know like from one side of the tv and wondering like oh no something behind me and I relived that feeling playing the Resident Evil 2 remake. The chills that went down your spine, the forebodingness of it all. And as soon as I turned on that trailer, I felt it again. Like I felt it like I was playing the game. And that's something I never experienced with like the old Resident Evil movies like Mia Jovovich and Michelle Rodriguez. Like that was something that that series was completely lacking. And now watching this trailer, I do want to watch this like very badly. I know our friends at Retro City Games, they posted it and they rarely post any non-game related things that they're selling in their store. They posted this on their website and they are excited for it. So I know they're looking forward to it. This feels like the first time Resident Evil has been made for the Resident Evil fans. There was some fan service in like the Mia Jovovich movies, but they were never made for the fans. They were made for the spectacle and the the box office returns because they were trying to be like, even though they weren't that high, they were trying to be like uh, Fast and the Furious. Like, what kind of spectacle can I create? But it was never meant for the people who actually like the Resident Evil franchise. But now, this series feels like it was made for them. We'll actually see if it grows that audience. That's the thing. Yeah, If it's going to have that audience, it brings in the hardcores. That's awesome. But Will it continue to go ahead and have the people talking on Netflix similar to what they've seen so far this year from Squid Game? Will it take on a life of its own like The Witcher has, Squid Game has, and Stranger Things, and some of the other popular series and movies that have been shown on Netflix? So I'm curious to see whether Welcome to Raccoon City will connect with an audience on Netflix when it debuts next month, November 24th, It'll be available in some theaters, but will also be day and date with Netflix. So we want to hear your thoughts. If you're looking forward to being welcomed back into Raccoon City for once again a reboot of the 
Resident Evil movie franchise. Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, Arcade 1-Up, they announced for their holiday season three new cabinets that they've got on the way. A Ridge Racer stand-up version because they had a sit-down version before. They announced a stand-up version. That's kind of cool. Driving games are always cool for me. They also announced Killer Instinct, which I know had been sought for by fans. It was one of their top 10 choices out there that I've been seeing over the course of the past couple of years. And one title that's coming out, one arcade cabinet that they're bringing out, which has been really heavily asked for since actually the birth of Arcade 1-Up, is finally coming out that they got the rights to, and that is Tron. This is something that with... Tron, you have to have the special flight controller on one side and the dial on the other, so it's not exactly something you could have replicated on any other type of machine. You'd have to have it specifically made for it. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend. I think Tron is going to be something that's going to have a nice reception. People are going to be very interested in. Killer Instinct? Killer Instinct is like the the other guys compared to the popularity of street fighter and mortal Kombat, oh, it doesn't yeah it yeah. just does not have that connection with a huge group of fans although killer instinct is obviously more appreciated i think in a nintendo 64 form when it came out that's i think a lot of people like that version better but that's coming out in arcade form but your thoughts on tron and what arcade one up has to offer this holiday season so Tron is a, an interesting one that I didn't think that I, I mean I never even guessed that that would come out by Arcade One Up. So I, I guess the big question here is just like we were talking about the Grand Theft Auto. Are there enough people out there who really care to own it? I think you know, Tron, like, yes. I know that the nostalgia crowd like us, like yeah, we will care to own it. But the people who just who like to have these arcade cabinets. Is, is this one that they're going to spend their money on? Possibly. I'm more interested in Ridge Racer, though, because I didn't really care much for the sit-down one, but this stand-up one looks just like the ones that were always in the pizza places growing up, and yep. this has definitely garnered my attention. But the big question here is that, you know, will I be able to get it? Because after our last experience with Arcade 1-Up, my wife doesn't want any more Arcade 1-Up systems in the house. So, So tell us what happened. Oh, it just she didn't like the the emulation system or not the 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 game that was used for Galaga because we're big Galaga fans and she didn't like that it was the PS3 version used in the Galaga cabinet as opposed to the original arcade so that's why we ended up getting the At Games Legends arcade system. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I get. I, I want to do some research on it, but if it is in fact the old arcade version of these games, and yeah, I could definitely be interested in it. What about you? I mean, I see your uh, your King of Fighters back there, or fi- what is that? Final. It's final fight? fight. Final fight back there. Is there room in the cave for another arcade system? Well, I've been trying to get my hands on an NBA Jam for some time now because I want to get an NBA Jam because of the four player options. To me, I think that's something that was really cool. But that's something I want to target for. And if that's the case, I would probably go ahead and trade it out my final fight for Cause I really want a four player space. I really want a four player cabinet. That's what I'm, my goal is. Do they not have any out there in, in Las Vegas? Cause there's a bunch out here. Oh yeah. They're, they're here. They're just still, they're just not going in the price that I want it to go. I still don't want to pay $400 yeah. for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Because right now they're still four hundred dollars, and The Simpsons, which is a four-player game, there too, four-player cabinet, and that's still four hundred dollars. And I'm waiting till just hits just the right price first, just the right price for me. But we'll see what happens. I'd love to go ahead and have a four-player cabinet. Although this final fight has been pretty fun, I I just enjoyed it. But again, I would like to see a four-player cabinet. Let me ask you this. This leads me into something we've talked about before, but haven't in quite a while. If you could have any arcade one-up cabinet from any arcade game in the past, what would you like? That's such a great question. Like, I would love to have one of those old Neo Geo arcades. Oh, I, yeah, I know I they, make, those. they make them. So I would love to own, like, a legitimate arcade cabinet that has Metal Slug and, like, Bust a Move all together. Not like the made cheap versions but like the legitimate ones that were in the arcades back in the 90s that's what i would love to have for me again it still comes down to having a old wwf superstars and wrestlefest on Mm -hmm. one cabinet that would be amazing that would be the golden ticket for me right there yeah did you ever like Play any of the old rail shooters that used to be out there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, House of the Dead, Terminator. I think they're coming out with some type of those. Uh, I think at some point they are. Uh, you know, I'm sure that's something that's going to be something that's going to be added in there because I know there is a demand for those type of deals, uh, yeah. the House of the Dead and Arcade 1-Up. Because it's funny if you go online and look at, like, even the, the custom arcade cabinet makers, like, they can only do so much. You know, the, the technology is not out there for them to be able to like put the rail shooters or the steering wheels or really any of the cool stuff on Aerosmith revolution game. game. Remember that one? That, yeah. that shooter. Yeah. Yeah. I always like the Jurassic park one. Cause you didn't just have the pistols. You had like the full on rifles in the car. That was cool. What are your thoughts on the holiday lineup for arcade one up with Tron, a stand up Ridge racer and killer instinct coming to retail shelves and also arcade one up.com. Want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on if you're interested in any one of these cabinets or if you could have a cabinet of your own that Arcade 1UP would make for you, which game would that be? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough, as always, for being part of the program today. Any last thoughts on the way out? I want to ponder this thought, you know, on the next few episodes toy stores are we going to see a re-emergence of such beloved toy stores as the holidays come out toys r us kb toys i know macy's bought toys r us so as we get closer to the holidays are we actually going to see these promised toys r us stores pop up within these macy's like they said or do you think that that was just like last year when they're like oh hey kb toys is coming back now and that never actually happened well definitely would be interested to See what happens if that could be the case, but yes, that's just some great memories right there, my friend. Just uh, I want to, I'd like to devote a couple episodes to like exploring those companies. Absolutely, you got it. Let's set it up. Let's do the deal. How soon would you like it? Next week? Let me script something out, and then we'll uh, let me get my my facts all in a row, and then we can go from there. All right, sounds good, my friend. I'm looking forward to it, and I know our listeners are as well so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos 
We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great